Great changes are occurring in our world today which demand a power that is beyond the natural plane that many cling to. In this hour, we need something beyond. We need the anointing. But many of us don't really know what it is or how to operate. The anointing is not some mystical something out there. Everyone is anointed for something, called to do great exploits. Every one of us has an assignment on our life, but not everyone feels equipped to carry it out. Because of all the negativity thrown at us, even from an early age, many don't feel empowered and don't have a lot of faith in their ability to handle the challenges life throws at them. If you don't feel like you can change your circumstance, you get stuck and rationalize feel like the only thing left to do. Despite the situation of circumstances we are in, each of us has a divine wellspring of power within us. If we can tap into that sense of supernatural power, it can help push us past the loss of control and the sense of uncertainty about our current situation. We may just change history as we know it. In this episode of Keep It 100, we continue our conversation on the anointing, how to increase, release, and not cease in it. Plus, we interview founder of School of Reform, Brandon Gatson. Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Hey everyone, it is another episode of the Keep It 100 with Sean and Krista Smith. Hey, what's up fam? Come on, we are so excited about this conversation because we are doing a part two about the anointing. I mean, it's going to be a good one. Get ready because the interview is powerful, but we got some things to talk about. Yep. First of all, speaking of Brandon Gatson, we actually going to have him on, of course. Yeah. But I just was with him at the School of Reform Dallas and it was amazing, boo. We had people from all over the country came out and his School of Reform is, it's like a cutting edge disciple discipleship school that really opens the door for encounter. Worship was amazing. Uh, there was a Brian Guerin. He just did a great job of just calling people to the feet of Jesus. There was another gal there. Amber Twig did a powerful job. Many other speakers, Elizabeth T.M. Fook, she was there. And I spoke on the fear of the Lord. And there, people just crashed the altar. And then the next day I spoke on prophetic evangelism and prophesied. And uh, it was just a really mighty time. And it was just a great connect with him. And then from there, I went to Christ Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. It was just powerful powerful to do a Sunday morning, Sunday night. We're seeing more of this, boo, a church that's really saying we want to embrace the Holy Spirit's distinctives even on a Sunday morning. So awesome. I I, love that. I love it. And just some profound prophetic words that just connected to people. So it was really powerful. And then... And and so last week we went and we spoke to the interns and it was just a powerful time at our home church, New Life Church. They had these creative influencers and it was just awesome. And we got to just bring Jesus and we watched these junior high, high school just get encountered with Jesus. And it was really, really powerful. It was really powerful. You and I both got a chance to share. And we both really felt Lord led that both of our messages really dealt with calling them out from the culture yeah. and stepping into kingdom, kingdom yeah. ways, kingdom mentality, becoming radical. You shared just kind of a little bit of how God touched you with the Holy Spirit and marked you. Yep. But anyway, it ended powerful. It did. It was it was really beautiful. And just seeing God minister, you had some words of knowledge, some prophetic words over some of the students and just watching them really have an authentic encounter. And that to me, I'll never tire of that because I was that kid. You were that kid ultimately. Obviously that happened for you sovereignly with the Lord, but I was that kid at camp. And so I have just that soft place in my heart for camp moments because they really become marking moments in our life. And we saw that, especially with the youth of our church, which is just super special. And then I went to Myrtle Beach and we're with a powerful church that we just have great relationship with. And they had their summer camp meetings and they invited me to come in 
on Thursday night and minister. And it was just a powerful time in the presence of God. Again, really going after marking a generation, really going after that moment where they actually encounter Jesus, not religion, not their parents' faith, but have a personal encounter where they forever get marked. And that's what we're seeing for this generation. That is what gets me so, so excited. Me as well. I am seriously excited about this next generation. Yeah. And you know, it's funny as we're talking about that a couple of weeks back and we had mentioned on our podcast is that you and I both went and spoke at a conference, but we stayed over for a prophetic school. And it was so important because I feel like I got an uh, impartation and I feel like I've been walking in increases. We're talking about the influencers camp and there was testimonies. The Lord gave me the name of a girl there and it really was a turning point. It marked her life. But those things are so important because I feel like God is speaking to us all the time. But hey, I just want to let all you listeners know, Keep It 100 Tribe, that Krista and I, we're going to be hosting a prophetic masterclass in the beautiful yes. Bay Area of Northern California. We're going to have our good friend, Prophet Julian Adams, and it's September 16th and 17th prophetic masterclass, a two-day intensive. And we really have a heart to do this. And we want to help you if you'll come. We want to help you hear the voice of God. We want to be a spiritual coach to you, help you tap into a new prophetic sensitivity. And we want to literally mentor you to unlock the Holy Spirit's guidance in your life at a whole nother level. And there's so many people that have been signing up. And for the first 100, we're going to give a free book to them on prophetic evangelism, but they're going to be like six different tracks, uh, really meaning six sessions that we're going to teach everyone in. And then we're going to have three separate tracks where we're going to prophesy over people. We're going to activate you in the prophetic. You do not want to miss this. Bring your notepad and your pen. This is not your basic conference, so we're not calling it a conference. It's more like an equipper's masterclass that this thing is specifically designed to get you to go to another level and hearing the voice of God in the prophetic and prophetic evangelism. You simply do not want to miss this. It's so true. Such an expected time we're having for our prophetic masterclass, September 16th and 17th. For more information, you can check out seanandchrisasmith.com and get all the information about this gathering. But I believe it's going to be so, so powerful. There's already people that are booking flights, getting hotels, coming in from out of town. And then of course, I want all the local Bay people to come. So if you know anyone in the Bay Area, you know someone that's going to be blessed by this, get on that plane, get here, um, get yourself registered because we just know it's going to be such a powerful time. All right. So we're going to, we're going to talk about the elephant in the nation. This keep, isn't in the room. This is the elephant in the nation right keep now. Keep it 100, boat. Okay. Keep it 100. So we're going to talk about for just a moment, the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Here's what's interesting. I want to start off with this. New York Times, come on, secular publication, New York Times on June 24th released for conservative Christians, the end of Roe versus Wade was a spiritual victory. So New York Times called it the overturning of Roe versus Wade, a spiritual victory for nearly 50 years, conservative Christians marched, strategized, and prayed. And then on an ordinary Friday morning in June, the day they had dreamed of finally came, a secular paper reported that. To me, that is incredibly powerful that they called it a spiritual victory. That is really powerful. You know, the U.S. Supreme Court has overturned officially the historic Roe versus Wade ruling, which means abortion is no longer considered a constitutional right in the United States of America. And so we have to understand, although on a state level, states can make the decision on abortion, but on a constitutional level that has now been reversed. That is very significant. So, and why it's significant is because God tells us he knows us before we even take our first breath. And it says in Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. That's Jeremiah 1, 5. And as the Psalm writer praises God for, I formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, which that was probably one of my favorite portions of scripture, that's Psalm 139, 13 and 14. And it's such a powerful statement as well as a picture of how God sees us. You know, it's so true. I actually never, 
never really thought that in my lifetime I would see the overturning of Roe versus Wade. I mean, this thing is what, 49 years? There's been what, close to 63 million babies that have been aborted. And what some people may or may not know is who was Jane Roe? Jane Roe was actually a woman by the name of Norma McCorvey. And her early life was marked by trauma, abuse, illegal activity, alcohol, substance uh, use. She gave birth to two children, both of them who were later adopted. And at 21, McCorvey wanted to end her third pregnancy. And this famous case took three years to decide. So McCorvey gave birth to that child who was subsequently adopted as well. So she had three children that were all adopted. And she revealed that she was Jane Roe. But she wrote a book, two books. One of them is called One by Love, who was co-written by Gary Thomas. So she wrote a book telling her story of coming to Jesus and repenting of her pro-choice views. This is literally what you could find written about her. McCorvey spent the latter years of her life active in the pro-life movement. In fact, in 2004, she attempted to have Roe versus Wade overturned based on the harm abortion causes to women. But of course, the case was dismissed in 2005. Uh, she later passed away in 2017. But it's crazy to think, here is a woman in heaven, Jane Roe, that's cheering that the very court case she set a precedent or is been overturned and God saved this woman. But I, I will say this, I believe the church, we have to step up now. And I think that stepping up uh, deals with in foster care, it deals with adoption, it book of Acts, they help widows and orphans. And, and I know that there are churches and, you know, I just think of the Dream Center, you know, with Matthew Barnett, and I think of other places that are really doing a lot. And I think it's so important that we step up in this hour and be the church. It's a great example. The battle is not over. And in fact, obviously many states can still decide to legalize abortion. It's just not a constitutional right. And I, I do celebrate that. Yeah, it is a complex issue. And the complexities come from the demand and the natural that this overturning creates and the demand it has on the church. But truth is that demand has always been there because the lifestyle of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus has never wavered, never changed. You brought it up a moment ago really well, Sean, uh, just about talking about that we're always called to take care of the orphan. We've always been called to take care of the poor. We've always been called to take care of the widows. We've always called to move with compassion. Yes. We've always been called to meet the needs of our community. We've always been called to uh, be a support system and be givers of hope, be restorers. That is literally, we have the ministry of reconciliation. So there's this beautiful privilege we've been given in the midst of a crisis in a very complex nation that feels fragmented and now feels even more fragmented. We have that opportunity in the midst of crisis to be this incredible bridge of reconciliation. And that is reconciling people to Jesus, reconciling people to their savior and their That's redeemer. Good. Wow. I love what you're saying. And then I kind of want to flip it. I, I hear some people saying, it's my body, it's my choice. Right Now, if, if you don't know the Lord, I get it because you're not going to have a biblical worldview. But the Bible's pretty clear. First of all, the Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, for we're the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I think right now there's 63 million or so babies that have been aborted. Each of them had good works that they were created for. And so my thing is, is that every single child that God puts in a womb is purpose for good works before the Lord. And so the, the question is, it's my body. Well, let me just talk to that for a second. We know right now, and I was just kind of doing some research on that, that there has been across the world, the decriminization of suicide, that if a person takes their life, you never hear a person like, Hey man, I just got out of the pen, man. I was in 30 years because I tried to kill myself. No, they, they put people on suicide watch. So you say, Sean, where are you going with this? What I'm saying is if it's your body and heaven forbid, there are people,
people that attempt to kill themselves. If you kill yourself, that's called suicide because you're ending your life, your body. But if you kill the baby in the womb, it's called abortion. Notice it's not called suicide. It's called abortion. So here's my point. You say it's your body, but really there's a body within your body that God created. The Bible talked about Jeremiah. My wife said the scripture that God knitted him in his mother's womb. So that's not really your body. It's a body within your body. And I think the challenge is, is to understand that there's a God that created life and put it in your body and values life. And the word is very clear that the shedding of innocent blood is something that's very dear to God. But at the same time, we've got great friends that have had abortions and Mm. God has just stepped in their life and made something beautiful out of them. Many of them have got great voices and great ministries. And so there is mercy to be found when people in healing, when people come to Jesus. So good. There is so much compassion from the Lord. And what an assignment we have in this hour as the church. So let's dive into the topic this week because it is a powerful topic. And I just feel like we are needing to jump into part two. Yes. Our main content, we just wanted to define uh, the anointing versus a vibe because again, that is the topic of our podcast. So I want to revisit the definition of anointing. Anointing is a special grace upon our lives that allows us to be used by God to benefit others. Catch that. The anointing is on you, but it's really for someone else. It isn't for you. The anointing is the burden removing, yoke breaking power of God. And the anointing is what empowers a man or woman to function supernaturally. I love that. Ooh, come on now. That's so good. And now I want to define a vibe. Come on, somebody. Everybody's ever gone to the Urban Dictionary. (laughs) A vibe is a distinctive mood or aura surrounding a person, a thing or a place as a sense or felt by another person where a person says, hey, this place connects to my soul. And it's a distinctive emotional quality or atmosphere that is sensed or experienced by a person. And one of the common things is it's a vibe. Hey man, tell me about that restaurant. It's a vibe. Now here's the thing I want to challenge you. Vibes are cool and everything, but if you stop and think of it, vibe is the default mode atmosphere of a place you enter into. It either is your vibe or isn't your vibe. But you got to understand if you're called to be light, you're called to be salt, you're called to be an influencer, you don't just fall into the default mode of any atmosphere that God doesn't cause you to become hostage to your circumstances and surroundings and for you to just say it it is a vibe or it isn't a vibe for you. God gives you an anointing to change atmospheres. And that's why the anointing breaks yokes and vibes will live with yokes because vibes is just kind of like going to take the path of least resistance. So the most important thing that we want you to know is the anointing is something that you should go after more than you should be going after a vibe. Ooh, I love that. That is so well said because there is such a difference between those two. Keep it 100 Tribe. We got a new segment that we're going to be throwing your way. We're calling it Quick Hitter and it's going to be rapid fire principles that we're just throwing at you machine gun style. All right, let's talk about the anointing quick hitters. The anointing is given to both bring the realm of the natural and the realm of the supernatural into harmony to function together or collectively to fulfill God's purposes. So bottom line, you and I are anointed to bring heaven to earth. I love that. Let me give you another quick hitter. And this is the great truth that there is a connection, Keep It 100 Tribe, between the calling on your life and your anointing. So when you find your purpose or your calling, you find your anointing. Until you know who you are and what your purpose is on earth, you will not be able to find your anointing because the anointing is given for you to carry out your assignment. I believe when people don't know their purpose, they change jobs, they change lovers, they change cities, they change everything else. And it's because until you know your purpose and until you know your calling, you won't walk in your anointing. 
That is so good. Come on, rapid fire. We're going to bring another. Here Come we go. On. Here's what you need to know. The anointing makes you appear actually more gifted than you actually are. When you're anointed, you can do things above and beyond anything you're capable of before God favored you with his touch. And then we're, I'm going to keep rapid fire. Can I keep going? Keep All right. Going. Keys to releasing the anointing. Here's some more rapid fire. You have to receive the anointing before you can give it. Number oh. one. Number two, let Jesus be your audience of one. Ooh. Come on. You got to have the audience of one. You got to understand that's who you're so doing good. it for. It's about him. Number three, be sensitive to God's spirit and timing. Honor the Holy Spirit. Come on. And we're talking about keys to releasing the anointing. It's a flow. It's not yep. a vibe. Ooh. It's a flow. Hey. It's not pressure or striving. It's about yielding to him. Both the minister of the anointing and the recipient should be yielded to the Lord. So you and I, we're conduits. We're not the source. We're simply conduits of Holy Spirit moving in us and through us. Here's some more quick hitters. And I just want to, in this quick hitters, hit some anointing myths. One of the uh, myths is that the anointing is for the professional minister only. Come on. False. <laughs> Very false. You know, some people think that the anointing means you're automatically a pastor, you're a prophet, you're a full-time minister, you got a card, you got a website, you're prophetess, apostle, whatever. Incorrect. The anointing is not just for a select few gang. It's for anyone called to do God's work. If you are obedient to him and follow his will, then you could be anointed for whatever he has planned for you. Quick hitter. And here's a myth. If I'm anointed, it'll be trouble free. False. Being anointed does not mean everything is going to be easy. In fact, you're anointed <laughs> so you we can laugh. break yokes. You can fight through it. In fact, if I can be honest, keep it 100. All right, here we go. The anointing will attract attack, but that's the reason why you're anointed. So you're the David and the Goliath will fall. And I think another quick hitter anointing myth is if you're anointed, you could do no wrong. False. We've seen anointed people fall. You have character to keep you from falling. The anointing is for someone else. Your character is what stands up when temptation comes against you. So people, you have to understand anointed people can sin. They can become careless. They can hurt people. But if someone is truly serious about their anointing, they're going to repent of their sins. They're going to seek to follow Jesus more closely. Hey, Keeper 100 Tribe, I am about to go into an interview with Brandon Gatson. He's the founder of School of Reform. He travels. God uses this guy mightily as an incredible testimony. Step in this interview and check it out. Hey, Keeper 100 Tribe, you are in for a great treat. This man has fast become family to me. One of just the most exciting, anointed, incredible speakers. He is the founder of the School of Reform. This mighty man of God is Brandon Gatson. Brandon, come on, bro. Oh, man. Jump on here. Let us know. Greet everybody. Let us know Hello how you're doing. Hello to the tribe family, my family. I'm so happy to be on here with the one and only Sean Smith. You have been a hero in my life. Just a big brother, a legend, a pillar in the kingdom. I'm so honored to be here, man, to share this moment with you. So thank you to you and your amazing tribe and the family, bro. Hey, man, we just had a great time. We were down at the School of Reform with you, Dallas, Texas at Trinity. Man, you're doing these incredible. I'm, I'm going to give you a chance at the end to kind of give us a rundown. But boy, we had a time, man. That was just awesome, man. The worship was fire. Speakers you had, diverse, incredible. You had different generations. You had different ethnicities. And what I love is, bro, you got down to it. I mean, this wasn't a rah-rah conference. Hey, Amen. Y'all brought out the scalpel. We went deep, man. And just encounters at the altar, word of the Lord, unfiltered, just straight, raw, intense. So powerful. It's everything that you said. And I just, I was so grateful for the message that you brought. You taught them to fear the Lord. And when you was teaching it, I was just like, man, our whole generation needs to hear this. Getting back to the all of God, you know? And I think that that is the beginning of wisdom. Like it's ordered in Proverbs, man. I was just so excited and, and moved by the conviction and the presence of God that you brought and all the other amazing speakers. So I was grateful, man. Oh man, we I was blessed to be there. It was amazing. All right, bro, let's jump yeah. in this. One of the things we love to do on Keep It 100 is that we love to 
to find out people's origin stories. So, hey, man, how did you get ignited as a reformer? Now, you are a reformer, and I, I just want to tell our, our audience, I revere that tag. Reformers, to me, incorporate many different giftings, but at the heart, because I think a reformer burns in their heart. I think of John Knox said, give me Scotland or I die. Obviously, Martin Luther hammered the 95 Thesis on the Door. Wittenberg was a father of the Protestant Reformation movement. And bro, you are a reformer, man. So give us your origin story. How did God ignite you to become a man, reformer? you know, it's funny. I, I knew nothing about reform. I've been in church for over 20 years. My mom and dad are pastors and uh, they just did such a phenomenal job in raising me and my siblings. And I grew up in an environment, man, where, I mean, it was absolutely the Holy Spirit. It was a culture that was birthed out of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I would see miracle signs and wonders. We would see people levitating off the floor, receiving deliverance, people crawling on the ground like snakes. And I mean, I'm 10, 11 years old. I'm freaked out to go home because the power of God was so real. And uh, But none of that was enough for me to give my life to the Lord. And I needed my own personal one-on-one encounter with God, which I had my junior year of high school. It changed my life completely. And then from there, I went on to college and became a part of this campus Bible study at Kentucky State University with Gil Finley and uh, and some other amazing people. And man, at that Bible study, I started to really get drawn into purpose and calling. And this man, I, I didn't know him at first, man. This random guy at these Bible studies would call on me and ask me questions. I'm like, why is he asking me these Bible questions like he know me or something? But the Lord had already spoke to him <laughs> about who I was and what he was calling me to do. And I remember being in his office and he would push the Bible in front of me and maybe read a passage and ask me what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. And, and all he was just challenging me in the Lord. And it was super incredible. Um, later on, after attending that Bible study, man, uh, and, and, and start, I started to work with him at that Bible study and uh, God really starts to increase the numbers. And I felt I, I was developing this passion, not just to see people encounter the power of God like I did in my early years, but at this Bible study, a lot of people came, they didn't know God, they were atheists, they had different beliefs. And so with those individuals, in addition to the power of God, the understanding of life and making sense of the word and that kind of thing really gripped my heart because I seen that it was bringing enlightenment people. And later on in life, I found myself like being attracted to the Apostle Paul and, and to the finished works of Jesus, which really dealt with reformation. It dealt, for the, it dealt with the transformation of people's minds, of people's hearts. And uh, and how I kind of look at the Old and New Testament, you had revival in the Old Testament where the Spirit of God is falling down and, it, and he is moving mightily upon Samson and all these other people, but they still had shadows and tight. They were still veiled. They didn't have a clear picture of God's intentions and God's will. So you have revival without understanding. And although they had the Spirit of God upon them, they weren't able to recognize Christ because it took a renewed mind to connect with the, the world of the kingdom. And so that's why I look at the on, New bro. Testament and seeing Paul get this download of the mysteries of Christ and the, the will and intent of God before the foundations of the world, which is the mind that's designed to transform us. My heart leaned into reformation and seeing revival finish its course with the renewed mind. And so I've just been in love with just seeing people come into full transformation or at least embracing their identity and the possibilities of the gospel. Man, that is so profound. You're talking about, you're seeing deliverance where people are levitating. You're seeing the power of God fall on people. You know, all these things that you're describing and obviously kind of the theme of this podcast is the anointing. And we recognize the anointing is basic. I love to say it, it's the Holy Spirit flexing in our midst. Is that the anointing becomes God manifest presence. And we know the Holy Spirit abides in us and we have that inward anointing, that anointed sense of his presence. But that outward dynamic of the anointing, it is just such a phenomenal thing. What would you say were your early encounters where you begin to recognize the anointing as you were maturing and coming into the purpose and the calling that God had on your life? It happened when I was like 16 and 17. My mom and dad used to make me play Jesus in the Easter play. I used to hate it with a passion. <laughs> but when 
I would when I would get into character and get into role and the whole Easter play is me quoting like scriptures from Matthew and 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 Eli Eli Lama Shabastian my God my God why has thou forsaken me and it something would change when I would start to proclaim the scripture when I start to proclaim the word like the environment would change and I could sense that, that it wasn't me that something was was in our midst and as I grew in understanding I started to recognize it was God affirming the call on my life to proclaim his word teach his word and so I, I recognized the anointing when I was like 16 or 17 man and it was it was an incredible experience to start to see how God would dial in in my life man that is so profound because I think if there is an undiscovered unchartered territory for the modern generation it is the depths of the anointing I think what happened is that we see personalities we've seen programs we've seen church growth techniques yeah. that could bring a crowd in the room you know and so you could you could fill out the seats but it's the anointing that fills the people in the seats it's that anointing that you described it, it's that altogether otherness in the atmosphere so Brandon how would you to define the anointing wow um so I know in the Old Testament you have you know kings priests craftsmen prophets that were anointed by God and I used to look at the anointing as like almost like this nebulous cloud or experience that people have and they just become almost like uh, empowered to do something supernatural or even strange but the more I you know go through the scriptures and spend time with God I find out that the anointing is truly God himself is the person of the Holy Spirit and the anointing is always for a specific purpose it, it has an intent he has a will he has a direction in which he's looking to change empower restore whatever that thing that he's calling us into so the anointing for me is definitely the person the Holy Spirit you know when I think about Jesus the Christ this specific anointing that Jesus he was anointed by the Holy Spirit and went around doing good healing all who were oppressed by the devil you know I found it really interesting that this anointing that he walked in Paul actually taught was our identity in Ephesians 3 he said when Christ who is your life appeared so he started teaching that Christ is your life and then he would say in Colossians 1 Christ in you the hope of glory and then in uh, Corinthians he'll say that he says that we were baptized into Christ he's he's referencing that this anointing is no longer about doing but it's actually who you are now so that your whole entire life can be led and empowered by the spirit not just your ministry not just your office but you can be an anointed father an anointed brother one empowered to be in relationship with other people in order to reveal God so when I think about the anointing I'm thinking about a person in whom I am one with now that's going to empower me to do life and that also includes ministry I love that I mean there's several things that I think you brought out number one I love it you describe the anointing isn't some impersonal force it's a person it's a presence it's a relationship with Holy Spirit through the Son Christ Jesus and then I love the fact that sometimes I think we think of the anointing oh yeah man that, that brother on the platform he's anointed that sister is prophesying right now leading us in that chorus you know she's anointed but you're saying amen we're all we all carry anointing I could be anointed to be a barista at Starbucks I could be working at Google man in the IT department I have an anointing and so I love it because you even talked about there were two guys in the Bible that were anointed to be craftsmen. And I love that because we think that how spiritual is being a right, craftsman, right. but they were they were anointed to do that. I want to slip in kind of a quick question for you, man. Under the anointing, what is the greatest miracle you personally have seen or that you've wow, seen, bro? what a question. I, I've been privileged to see a lot of miracles, man. I think the, the, the greatest miracle I've seen under the anointing, and I would have to say, I was at this revival, uh, we called it the Kentucky Fire. And uh, man, this lady walked in and the Lord gave me a word of knowledge that she was a witch and uh, she had a oh. yeah, she had a face covered and, and, and that whole thing and um, she sat in the service and uh, I, I was actually getting ready to do an act 
activation where I wanted people to lay hands on people and pray and really impart, you know, and, and empower. And so when I, I said it and she went in the back to go lay hands on a person, I felt like the Lord unctioned me to go stop her. So I leave the stage. I walk quickly to the back. I didn't make a scene. And uh, and I grabbed her by her arm and I said, excuse me, ma'am. I said, do you know you have three unclean spirits on you? She turns and says to me, yeah, what do they look like? And I said, ma'am, I'm not here to play. I just want to know, do you want the Lord to free you? She said, yes. I brought her to the front. When I got to the front, I let her hand go. She fell on her knees and got radically Ooh. delivered by the power of God. Now, check this out. This is so amazing. The uh, the guy I was talking about, Gil, fin Gil Finley, the apostle who was over the campus by this Bible study, he was there. So she gets delivered. I take her to him. Then she gets filled with the Holy Ghost and looked like a completely different person until my her countenance are completely changed. And I was just like, wow. So that's Bro, in one fell swoop, we went from Harry Potter to the <laughs> Potter's house. Come on, man. That's, that is crazy, yes, man. Yes. Oh, I, I love that, man. You know, it, it's so important because, you know, again, when I think about, you know, the anointing versus the vibe, and I'm just saying to young, on fire Christians or even young Christians is listening, don't just settle for the vibe. To me, the, the vibe is the default mm -hmm. setting. But I feel like the anointing isn't about me falling into the atmosphere. It's about me being chosen to change the atmosphere. And when you grabbed a hold of that lady, you know, it could have been a vibe, hey, let her be. And that's kind of the mentality today. And it's like, no, I, I think the reformer wants folks set free. The prophet or the prophetic anointing and mantle is because you want, it's like you, you want to get in a room and go, how free can I get this person? How free can I get this atmosphere? And so I just say, hey, we don't want to settle for a vibe. We want to press in for the anointing to change it. When I think about a vibe, you know, and, and you was explaining this so well, you know, it, it deals with the, the environment, atmosphere, you know, and it's designed to bring you into a certain space or as they say, yes. a certain energy, you know, the energy is right. Yes, it's, a, yes. it's a dope vibe and it highlights you. The anointing always highlights God. The vibe is about the way it wow. makes you feel. The anointing brings that awe that we were talking about, that fear of God. It makes you aware that God is in the room and not just, people, you know, that. And, this is not true because the vibe is about the person, but I love that the anointing is about Jesus. But in addition to that, my anointing is for you. Your anointing is for me that God anoints us to build his kingdom. So it becomes other focus. Mm -hmm. So that's a whole selfish vantage point. Your lens is what suits your mm -hmm. taste. But the anointing says it's not about my taste. It's me helping you see that you need to taste and see that the Lord Absolutely. is good. It's it's for it's for him. I yeah. love that, bro. And, and I said this last thing about that. So <clears throat> one of the biggest strongholds I've noticed uh, in the church, and it wars against the anointing, but it's so subtle, is preference. Mm. You know, we have to say humble enough to be able to hear God beyond our preference. When, you know, when you mm. come into the kingdom, there are people that you gravitate to. You know, you could gravitate to a Bill Johnson or Todd White or Sean Smith or what have you. And then the Lord sends someone else in that's different than your vibe, that's different than your preference. And you can't even hear them because they're too loud or you know, that's, that's mm. preachy, you know, or, you know, I would prefer it be like X, Y, and Z. And we've become accustomed to our preferences and our preferences become a stronghold in which we can't even recognize God because we need him to speak through our favorite speaker or our type of culture. And it wars against God and it wars against the value of God in other people. So I think like, wow. you know, the, the vibe, like you're saying, is connected to preference at times when we're not careful. You know, I know we all, we all are individuals and we have our own individuality and God knows how to deal with us, but he never reduces us to our life experiences and our culture. He's always looking to expand us in the more. I love that. Oh my God, that is so good. You know, I love this verse, of course, Isaiah, and he says, on account of the anointing, the yoke is destroyed. And, and one of the things that, that I've seen is that, you know, in studying revival history and, and just 
just loving the history of moves of God, every generation, the enemy, I believe, engineers a unique yoke meant to enslave and dominate the minds of a generation. And so in every generation, the yoke is different during Esther's time. You know, if you want to be specific, Haman, you know, and he's putting out those gallows, that that was the yoke. But the yoke was different then than the yoke was underneath Babylon during the time of Daniel. It was about a big old huge statue that everybody was going to fall down to. That was their yoke. But I believe as the enemy engineers a new yoke for every generation, I believe that God uses a specific anointing to break that specific yoke. Now we know that, man, the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath our feet. And I believe it does it by the authority of the lamb. But because it's underneath our feet, it's speaking of the authority and the anointing we have. And so with that, what do you feel are the greatest enemies or the greatest weapons that the enemy uses against the modern generation's anointing? I think it's our desire. I think the greatest enemy to to the anointing is desire. You know, in two places, four really, but two places take me there in my mind. James 1, 14, um, God cannot be tempted by man, nor does God tempt any man, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desire. And once desire conceives, it gives birth to sin. And once sin is full grown, it leads to death. Now you think about that. James is saying the only way a person is drawn away from God is when desire conceives. That person's in trouble. So because the enemy recognized that desire is the way to, to get us, he's loading in 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 our IG pages, on Facebook, on, on commercials, in church, you know, whatever, things mm. for people to desire. Even the desire, an unhealthy desire to be anointed because you're so impressed with the result. Because you're so impressed with, you know, what it brings to people. And now you're pursuing the, the anointing with the wrong motive. And you're trying to gain something that you're supposed to get in relationship through some means of impartation that you'll even pay for in order to get. And that's what happened in, in the book of Acts uh, in, in the city of Samaria. You know, he seen Peter and them doing those miracles and he got, he brought him money and said, hey, give me this ability too that I may, you know, lay my hands and do these things. And Peter said, your money perish with you. Your heart is 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 uh is evil, you know? And because he wanted to buy something that you're supposed to get through relationship. So, and then you see over in Genesis that the woman who's perfect, Adam and Eve is perfect. I mean, full of the anointing. They're empowered by God to say that. image. And what did the scripture say that the enemy did? He presented fruit that was going to give her something she did not have, which was the knowledge of good and evil. That was the tree she wasn't supposed to eat from. But all of a sudden, after the conversation, something that was not attractive became attractive. She noticed that, that it was pleasant to her eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise. Then she took an eight. Wow. After that desire conceived, it led to sin and that sin led her to death. Separation I think the greatest enemy to the anointing is desire. And that's why Jesus is like, wait a minute, if you want my kingdom, if you want my anointing, because the kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. If you want the anointing to establish the kingdom, you got to seek ye first the kingdom of God. You got to hunger and thirst for righteousness. If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He starts to address that you need a hunger, a desire for me, because that desire will drive your life. So it works for the demonic and it also works for the kingdom. But when I think about the enemy to the anointing, it's us desiring something outside of the anointing greater than we desire God. Bro, what you just said, I was thinking, because you think about the desires at the end of the day, and I think you hit it, it's appetites. And I just think we say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, mm-hmm. but you know, we, we should be saying the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau, but his appetite was wrong. He gave up his birthright. And instead of all these centuries of Hebraic teaching and now Christian teaching, we'd be say, say we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. Mm-hmm. But in the day in which that 
dude was hungry and worked hard. He was the oldest. He had the birthright. His brother, Jacob, who is a conniver, deceiver, saw that he was hungry, cooked up his favorite red chili stuff. And he says, when he's hungry, he said, what good is the birthright to me? Because all of a sudden his appetite blinded him to the value of the anointing he carried. And I wonder how many people are checking out of their destiny for, in a sense, a bowl of a worldly chili. Now, how many people are selling their purity? They're selling their influence. They're selling ultimately their soul, their eternity, all in this moment because of appetites. And, and I love that because if, if you don't desire to go deeper in God, I always say this, that you, you can't come to a place in God and just plant a flag there, camp out and remain there. It's like standing still on a downward escalator. If you don't keep moving up, man, the spirit of the world, just by virtue of the way the gravitas of the fallen age, you're going to slip down. I mean, so that's so powerful. And man, with that, because I, I think this is so important, what does it look like to you? We're kind of talking about what diminishes the anointing. Now let's flip it and say, obviously the anointing destroys yokes. What are what do you observe as the current most predominant yokes that's attacking this emerging generation? Right. The emphasis is same-sex orientation, yeah. trying to draw people to an unnatural, as Paul was saying in Romans chapter one, relationships with people, that he begins to describe that the judgments that it leads to. And what's interesting is Paul didn't say God judges people that does that. He said these, these things have a judgment within themselves, you know, that they bring wow, on people's wow, life. Wow. So I think that, I think also the political agenda, I do believe there's agenda in the politi- in politics, even when you see the abortion situation. So I'm a pro-lifer. Come on. Obviously life comes out, but this that's thing right. that's taking place in which it looks like they want, they want to create the church versus the world. Like they want us to feed into it where it creates a division and a rift, you know? So even the, the subtle deceptions that come that not only is it about standing against, but it's creating tension within. I see that as a as a tool that's, that's trying to yoke us and draw us into fights versus being a light. And that's a different thing. Ooh. Even um, within the church, I think racism is still um, a yoke. I think we're still moved by denominations, which to me means that we don't yes. understand the Holy Spirit and what he's doing today. So I think these are different or many fronts in which these things come to, to be an enemy to the anointed. Man, hey, and hit this thing too. Obviously, we're within a week of this uh, historical groundbreaking reversal of Roe versus Wade. Uh, it's just a, a phenomenal decision. And man, we were talking one time and you were talking about this revelation you had of the first mother Eve, because you hear a lot of people going, you know, it's my body. Right. It's my body. And uh, I see that argument and some people can be seduced by that. Like, who are you to tell me what to do with my body? But you had a revelation, man, as a relation. Would you just share that with us? First of all, First Corinthians 6, 19, I think that really addresses believers in their portion or their part in the abortion. Um, Paul says, do you not know that your body, talks about the body, is a temple of the Holy Spirit who you receive from God and you are not mm. your own for you were bought wow. with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are his. So any believer that has an, a viewpoint that this is my body doesn't recognize the lordship of Jesus. So he may be their God, but not their Lord. He may, They may reference him as the source of their life, but not the Lord of their life. And so I would question, you know, just their views on Jesus being Lord. And then about Eve. So Genesis chapter four, verse one says this. Now Adam knew his wife and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Now here's what's interesting to me. This this is the first woman ever on the planet to be pregnant. Yeah. Unknowledge, she's on. the only one on the planet. She finally, right. like, you think about marriage, like they've been waiting all their life to kiss and come together. And so they finally <laughs> kiss and they come together. Adam's excited, Eve's excited, and they do what they do, bro. And all of a sudden she comes out a couple of months later, you 
know, she, she, she's feeling different than she's ever felt and her belly's coming out and she felt some kicking and, and nine months later she has a baby. And this is the first thing she says to her husband. It's quoted. She looks at Adam, the one she was intimate with, and said this, I have acquired a man not from you, Adam, wow. but from wow. the Lord. She said, number one, even though we came together, life don't come from you, Adam. It comes from the Lord. And because he's wow. Lord, owner, ruler, he determines what happened with this life, not us. Once again, it ties into lordship. When people start thinking that their body is their body, they're calling themselves their own source. And here's the news. You didn't create yourself so your body can't be for you. If that was the Ooh, case, you would man. have determined if you were a male or a female. But you didn't. But Ooh. you're not in control. Ooh. So anytime you want to find out the truth about something, you always go back to the beginning. If you like, you want to, you know, if we had a, a videotape of a crime and you want to see who did it, you just rewind it back to the beginning and you just watch because at the beginning, when you see the origin, you can find out the source. And so when we want to find out the beginning about our lives and, and who we belong to, you go right back here to Genesis and it tells you that the man that you've inquired, not from your boo, it's not from your husband, it's from the Lord. And he determines what happened to the child, not you. My God, Brandon Gatson, dude, I've never seen that before. I've never heard that before. It's so powerful. Brandon, we're going to have to have you again on Keep It 100. Yes, sir. Hey, tell us what you got going on. Give us a website. How can we stay in touch with you? How can we support what you're doing? Share with us how we can stay in contact yes, with so you. So we have the website School Reform that has all the information about our schools, where we're going to be going, who we're going to have on board. I'm so excited that you're going to be with us three more times before this year out. Come you on, baby. rank our school in such a good way. So I'm excited to have you out, man. We have one in Lexington, Kentucky with yourself, Will Ford, Tony Kim. I'm pumped about that. Ooh. And then we're going to close out the year September uh, 22nd through the 24th with you and Chris Overstreet and Sophia Ruffin. And it's going to be crazy, man. So we're so pumped about oh the schools we have going on. For any additional information, they can go to schoolreform.com. They can go to schoolreform on IG, on Facebook. And then me, myself, personally, they can always reach me at, on my IG, Facebook, um, or go to brandon-yatson.com. It has more information about me, my lovely wife, and the ministry God has given us. Hey, you guys heard it, man. Schoolreform.com or brandon underscore Gatson, G-A-T-S-O-N. And man, bro, it's so great to have you on. We got to have you again. Give our love to your beautiful wife, your babies, man. You are awesome, yeah. dude. I sure love, I love you, man. I love you too, big bro. Anytime. All right, man. Blessings. Oh, my goodness. That was a good conversation. I love the depth that Brandon walks in. It's just so powerful and just such truth and revelation. I just love what he added to the conversation. Such a gift. So, so good. All right. Keep it 100. Are you ready for my favorite part is our takeaways. Mine too. We're talking about this way. Keep it 100 takeaways. We're talking about five ways to increase the anointing in your life. Are you ready? Number one, you want to increase the anointing in your life? Fellowship with the Holy Spirit every single day. In your Bible reading, in your prayer, in your worship, as you spend time with him, you are cultivating intimacy and intimacy equals anointing. You cannot give out what you do not have. You cannot water others from a dry well. Come on, somebody. If you want the anointing and his presence, you have to seek his presence, cultivate his presence, and actually spend time in his presence. That's so profound, boo. The second way to increase the anointing in your life is pray and develop intimacy with the Father. Jesus modeled this. He would go away and he would just get still. And I just want to challenge you that you just develop intimacy, develop a friendship with God, spend time in the word of God. And you're not just reading for volume's sake, you're reading for connection's sake, to have intimacy. Sow into your spirit, guard the anointing in your life. The anointing is not a commodity. The anointing is not a thing. It is the third person of the Trinity. It is the person of the Holy Spirit. And that hunger that you have right now for that indefinable more of God, for his presence, for his anointing, understand that is a gift from God. Steward well that gift. The third Keep It 100 takeaway about the increasing the anointing 
planting on your life is to invite the Holy Spirit in your day-to-day life. This isn't just a Sunday morning experience. This isn't just you calling his name in the midst of your crisis. This is a day-to-day relationship with the Lord. And then watch for his presence. Stay alert, pay attention. And if you're not able to feel his presence, be honest about it. So get alone with God afterwards and ask him how to show you what happened and what you need to change next time and what you need to adjust in your life and how you need to actually open up your life more to have a greater capacity for hosting his presence and encountering him. But friends, it is available every single day of your life, but being intentional about connecting with Holy Spirit. Wow. Come on. The fourth, keep it 100 takeaway to increase the anointing on your life is to value and cherish the anointing. And you got to understand, don't grieve the Holy Spirit by pushing him aside and making it about you. You're not to live the selfie life, but the sanctified one. You're living for him. Watch for the anointing. Learn what God's presence feels like, looks like. Look for the anointing in every opportunity, every deal, every relationship. Wrong association makes your oil vulnerable. Understand who you're hanging out with and everything that you consider doing. And what what I mean by that, look for the anointing. If I'm going to buy a car, I'm looking for the anointing. If I'm going to purchase a house, I'm going to invest in a stock. If I'm going to enter into a relationship, if I'm going to hang with somebody, I'm looking for the anointing because the anointing lets you know that it's going to be blessed. Oh, so, so good. You know, the fifth and final Keep 100 takeaway on how to increase the anointing on your life is to glorify Jesus. John 16, 14 talks about everything about our lives is to glorify him and him only. This isn't about us. This isn't about us making ourselves look good with the anointing. It's about giving him all the glory. So take time to meditate on the testimonies about answered prayers, miracles you've heard about, how even God's used you, the prophetic words that have gone through your life and seeing that. Take time to recognize the answered prayer and the miracles and recognize that God is doing this through your life because this makes you hungry to know more about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. You know, this episode has been so fun and this series of just talking about the anointing. And and if I can just leave you guys with one thing to sum it all up, guard that anointing. And then you got to step out and go because at the end of the day, the anointing isn't for show. It's for the those who will go. That Jesus said, go into all the world. So many people have deactivated anointings because they don't go. It is an action. You've got to step out. The Spirit of the Lord, Luke 4, talked about Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to open prison doors. So you got to go. And as you go, you're going to see the Holy Spirit's flow. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends. And be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out. Share this link on your social media platforms and check us out at seanandkristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. Hey, Keep It 100 Tribe. You do not want to miss our next episode. And remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram and seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it